This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. They are very tech savvy. You know, I think it's something that it's been a learning experience for, for some of us as coaches. And I think it's been it's been a good experience. I think it's such, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, some of the things that we're doing now, this ends. How do we continue some of this? Because I think it's been really productive in what we've been doing. I, I'm in some thought process of putting things to paper and seeing how uh, we can use some of the things that we're doing now, um, you know, when we start up. Jaguars coach Doug Marone, you think he's transitioning well to adapting to the, the Zoom calls and all that stuff, Coos, from what you gauge from him? He sounds like it. I mean, like yeah. in all the, the audio files we're getting, he sounds like he's yeah. doing just fine. Going to be honest, though, and we'll break it down a little bit later today, but the whole challenge to make the players have a bake-off and then have them send pictures in, have you seen some of the pictures that the players have cooked up here? Somebody literally put a, like a Jack's pizza or like a Tombstone pizza in the oven and try to pass it off like they cooked it, okay? If that's the type of effort that we're getting from the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, people, could be a very, very long season. But we'll talk about that later, okay? Austin Lane Action Sports, Jackson, ESPN 690, joined by, well, really myself today. My co-host Brent Martineau um, is out. As a lot of you have known, I've talked a lot of golf lately on this show. We had... Uh, Local golf day, I think it was two weeks ago. Three hours of golf talk. I survived it. I came out a better man, a more respectful man. I'm driving the show today by myself. Brett Martineau gave me the keys. The FCC hasn't shut us down quite yet. I haven't even swore yet. So it's been a very solid day. We're in the last hour right now, so I figured, you know what? Let me put out the bat signal one more time. Let me get one more guest on the show today. Not really a lot, of, a lot of hockey to talk about, but he's still just a great guy to catch up with. We are joined right now by CM Punk. Man, how you doing? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great, man. So we, we got to tell the story real quick. I get a text message from you. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, it was a Twitter message at about 3 a.m. Jacksonville time last night. <laughs> and yeah. why do I picture you right now like Jack Nicholson in The Shining um, during this quarantine period? It's not that bad, it's, I, I, my, but my, my, my world is backwards. I, I've always been a night owl anyway, and now with the quarantine, like, i got nothing to wake up for, you know what I mean? So, like, I make, my own, I make my own schedule, and really, I stay in my house, I work out in my home gym, and I walk my dog. It's really my only responsibility, so, you know, I, I may wind up playing Call of Duty till like, 3 in the morning. There we go, a little Call of Duty. I like it, man. Well, obviously, you know, we're in Jacksonville, Florida here, and it's been the most casual experience during this quarantine. The beach has opened up like three weeks ago already. Um, I think the governor just implemented that next week will be phase two where the gyms will open back up again and everything. I sense that it's a little different right now in Chicago. How are things been in Chicago with the quarantine right now? Uh, we're making do, you know, I'm one of the people who, uh, I, I've, I've tried to do like PSAs for the, you know, local government and for state of Illinois to get people to stay home. Um, I'm a big believer in this is, you know, this, this is worse than the flu. Yeah. Uh, if we stay in and we try to contain it as much as we can, flatten the curve, uh, we'll be better for it, you know, six, eight months down the line. Uh, yeah, gyms are still closed. You know, I'm doing what I can by supporting all my local pizza chains and ordering pizza almost every night. Um, <laughs> you know, because the, the big sufferers are going to be the small businesses. You know what I mean? And i got a lot of local places. I love to go get tacos, coffee, pizza, ramen, pasta, whatever, you name it. And I'm just trying to do what I can uh, 
by staying in, uh, but also ordering a lot of food. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, you know, the last time that we had you on the show, we're breaking down the NHL playoffs. We'll get into hockey talk in a little bit here, but a lot has changed, actually, since probably about a year ago now that we had you on the show. You know, you ended up doing um, an interview for StarCast 3. Now, uh, you know, sometimes you're on backstage uh, on Fox Sports 1. That's every Tuesday night at 11, by the way. Check it out. Um, but how is it making that transition and just being back in wrestling again? I, I love it. I love the Fox show because everybody yeah. at Fox has has treated me, uh, you know, impeccably. Um, kind of got to reconnect with uh, Renee Young, who is my friend from uh, WWE from like you know seven, six seven years ago. Uh, she's great at what she does. She makes the show uh, super easy to do, um, and it's you know it's fun to get to talk about stuff. Uh, it can be a little stressful sometimes. I think people uh, get mad a lot based on what I say, but, you know, uh, Fox, Fox is stoked. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to get to talk about wrestling without uh, people having a preconceived notion of what I'm supposed to say or, or whatever. I literally just watch the shows and I get to comment on them. It's, yeah. it's pretty relaxed. Well, it is kind of a blessing that you're able to be yourself, whether people enjoy that or not. I mean, the fact that you don't really read from a script, that you get to be yourself still, um, that's definitely a cool thing. And I have to ask the question. Obviously, you're talking about wrestling again. You know, you're you're doing interviews and you're around wrestling fans. You're in that environment again. I mean, you know, for me, when I retired from football, I said I would never go back because I was just over it. But, like, the more I analyze it, the more I break it down, you know, the more a part of me thinks, you know what, this sport's not so bad, and I kind of miss it a little bit. Do you find yourself, when you do these, shows or when you're around wrestling fans that do you kind of miss being back in the ring i don't necessarily miss being back in the ring um but i do understand like i'm kind of in the same boat as you yeah. you know what i mean like you might not want to put a bear sweater back on and, and throw a helmet on but yeah. like you know like being around and being able to talk about it like you know last uh tuesday a couple days ago on uh, wwe backstage you know, they just dropped this in my lap. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna have Ricky Steamboat on." It's cool if you interview him. And I, you know, <laughs> I got a, I got a, I got a history with Ricky, so it was cool to be able to talk about that. Um, and you know, I, I think my love for certain aspects of the business, like you know, I think you can see it. I think you can like see it peek out through the cracks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely with all these things going on, like Mike Tyson putting his gloves back on, watching uh, the Last Dance on ESPN. Man, I'm kind of getting itchy. Well, and we're going to talk about the last dance here in a second. Um, but I want to touch on, you know, like obviously you got guys like Karrion Cross now and Scarlett. You have Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford and AEW. Like, you have these couples that are only couples in the ring, but also out, out of the ring as well. Um, you know, when you talk about your wife, April, or as wrestling fans know her as AJ, AJ Lee, have you ever had conversations of what you guys would do for a dream storyline or a dream gimmick if you ever did get back in the ring again? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's true. That's that's never happened. Yeah. Um, you, you know, unfor unfortunately, you know, like her, she she retired because of her neck. You know what I yeah. mean? She's a she's a tiny little thing, and taking a, a whole bunch of bumps, you know, year round, you know, it, it, it messed up her neck. So, um, you know, if she was to come back, you know, I, I don't know if she would be able to do the physical stuff anymore. 
Gotcha. So, yeah, you actually mentioned Last Dance a little bit, and obviously you're Chicago sports guys. I'm sure the Bulls were super influential with you growing up, and obviously right now in a in a nation that needs its live sports and it needs its sports coverage, The Last Dance has kind of been a nice appetizer for everybody. I absolutely love the show. I assume you do too as well. But in terms of The Last Dance, what have you taken away from it so far? That's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, I, I love a good documentary and this one, I don't want it to end, honestly, yeah. you know, um, but there's a big difference between like a hagiography and a documentary, right? Like documentary, they'll kind of expose kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe stuff that guys don't want known. And I, I really kind of think they're doing that with the Jordan thing. Like they're talking about the gambling, uh, they cover his father's death. Mm-hmm. They're talking about his you know, his attitude and his drive to win being so bad, it's almost all-consuming. You know, he punches deep her in the face. Yeah. So I like that it's not just, hey, look how great Michael Jordan is, you know what I mean? And, like, to me, obviously, greatest basketball player of all time. And it's mostly because of his mindset and his attitude. You know, you ask him who the greatest basketball player of all time is, he's not going to say himself. He always puts the team first. Uh, And I think that really this whole last dance segment, it really illustrates that, you know, um, he comes back, uh, after playing baseball and he's not in the shape he needs to be in. So instead of just talking about it, he's just in the shape, comes back the next season, wins another three, you know what I mean? Like, so he was all about the actions on the court. And I just, that's my biggest takeaway is just, you know, hard work betrays no one. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy because I didn't really catch the run until like, you know, his, Second run, um, you know, his, his second three-peat because I, you know, I'm 32 years old. So I was like around 10 or 9 years old when that actually took place and their, their finals against the, the Utah Jazz and everything. But in terms of Michael Jordan, I kind of get this sense that and we saw some emotion from him. And then that was it was so great to see this guy who's really kind of like a robot actually show some emotion and maybe show a little bit of regret of how he treated some of his teammates. And I find it so ironic that he was the ultimate team guy. He always wanted to win and do what's best for the team. But you don't really hear his teammates talk about hanging out with him now, you know? So maybe you get the sense a little bit of being at the top can be a lonely place sometimes. And then I, I bring up like a guy like you, you know, he's probably the best in the world. It wasn't just a moniker. I mean, that was actually a fact. I mean, you were the biggest wrestler at one point in the world. Do you kind of find some comparisons with Michael Jordan a little bit and being that once you get to the top, is it kind of a lonely place to be? Or is that just kind of a rare outlier with Michael Jordan? Well, hey, listen, people will... People will get upset when a pro wrestler compares himself to Michael Jordan. But, <laughs> you know, watching watching the documentary, you know, I, I, I do. I sit there and I go, man, like, you know, mindset, I think, is everything. You could be the biggest, tallest, most jacked guy, but if you don't have that mindset, and I think Kobe had it too, right? Absolutely. Uh, the, the Mamba mentality. And, like, there's a, there's a difference between being conceited and being convinced. And Michael Jordan was convinced he was the best, but he used that to win championships. I was convinced that I was the best. My downfall almost was that I just wasn't in a team sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was doing everything I could to almost act like I was in a team sport. I was trying to get other guys called up to TV. I was trying to, you know, help other guys as much as I can. And, you know, it's, it's not a team sport. So not everybody's got your back. Uh, so it is very lonely at the top. You know, everybody's trying to knock you down a peg. Certain guys don't want to work with you. There's the politics of, you know, who wins and who loses. Egos get involved. 
whereas Michael Jordan just had to deal with a pure sport. Oh, you think you're better than me? Oh, you think your team's better than the Bulls? Let's prove it. And he proved it. Talking with CM Punk right now. Uh, you know, speaking of the last dance, I mean, I watched this documentary or, you know, whatever you want to call it, but I watched this um, this just theatric just masterpiece. But then I watch it and I go back to being a Milwaukee Bucks fan, right? Because, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin and, and obviously I'm a big Bucks guy. But you in Chicago, like, do you kind of have a sense of melancholy a little bit where you watch these great teams of the Chicago Bulls and then you look at the landscape of the Bulls right now? I mean, is it a little depressing to kind of think about? I, it isn't, it isn't. You know, I, I think I'm old enough and I've been on the earth long enough to know that, you know, things go in a circle and there's cycles to everything. Sure. You know, uh, I, I remember watching the, the Hawks in the playoffs uh, Stanley Cup final against the Penguins. I, I might have been in like, I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. <laughs> you know, and they got swept. So it's just like, you know, the Hawks, the Hawks weren't always bad. But then I lived through the, the you know, like the early uh, 2000s, whether it be like, 3,000, 4,000 people in the United Center. They had games blacked out. The management was a mess. Uh, and then they, they turn around and they become like the sports franchise of the 2010s. So, you know, I, I think everything's, everything's a circle, right? It'll happen again with the Bulls. They just have to capture that magic again. You know, you can't be great all the time. Yeah. I, I think especially in modern-day sports, it's especially hard with all the money and all the endorsements and everything and, you know, Certain guys just want to make money. Certain guys want to win. Talking to CM Punk here, and you know, going from a team sport now to more of an individual sport with MMA. And I should probably set the scene real quick of how we actually we first met. Um, it was at a comic book convention in Chicago, and. I was looking forward to kind of picking your brain if I could talk to you because at that time I was on the Chicago Bears and I knew my time was probably coming to an end. And I knew that I had MMA mm -hmm. in my back pocket because let's be honest, I was an outside linebacker wearing a, wearing a 73 jersey. I mean, that if that's not you know on the wall saying you're probably not going to be around that long, an outside linebacker rocking the number 73, I mean, come on, the writing's on the wall. So I remember the first question that I asked you when I got introduced to you was, you know, why the transition from professional wrestling to MMA and how do you feel about it? And I'll never forget, like, you kind of had, like, this, this twinkle in your eye a little bit, right? Like, you were excited. You, you were ecstatic. And you just said, you know what? I may get my ass kicked or I, I may win a lot of matches, but I'm going to have fun in the process. I'm going to have fun in the journey. And that's all I needed to hear right there where I was like, well, you know what? My time in the NFL is coming to an end, and that's okay because I'm in, the, in my back pocket. You know, that was like four or five years ago. So now as we sit here and talk to you today, CM Punk, I mean, where do you stand on MMA um, as a career, as, you know, as, as growing in mixed martial arts, and how do you feel about it now? Um, well, as well, talk about another parallel to Michael Jordan. You have one, too. You know, here's yeah. a guy who's the best basketball player in the world, and he up and pieces out, and people think he's ridiculous for wanting to play baseball. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can choose your own path in life, you know, and I think that's one of the more brilliant things. I think a lot of people get too caught up in what other people will think. Um, to me, I've always been about, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Right. I think mm -hmm. I might even have said that to you. Like, yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, sure. I'm going to get punched in the face. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose a fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, where I'm at right now is I miss my gym because the gym's closed. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to Dana here and there, you know, when he was announcing Fight Island and stuff like that, I was, you know, texting with him about it. It's not, not like, Hey, get me on Fight Island. Just like, Hey, you know, we're starting for, for, for shows. <laughs> yeah. 
Nobody knows. Yeah, of course. Knows. <laughs> I, I told him to put it on an aircraft carrier in the middle of like, the Atlantic or something like that. You know? Yeah. Well, right, you, up the, right off the coast of uh, Florida. We'll be fine. Yeah. Well, and you have to wonder, like, how much Mortal Kombat did he play as a kid to kind of come up with Fight Island and bring it to fruition, man? Like, not everybody thinks about that, especially a fight promoter. It, it's, it's, out of the, it's out of the ordinary. It's crazy, man. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. It, really, it really is the craziest idea. But, you know, I mean... Yeah. He's got the he's got the capital for it. He's not he's not hurting. He'll be all right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to fight again. You know what I mean? But I still train every day. Uh, obviously, not with my team right now because um, you know it's it's tough out there right now with all these gyms closed. So like, think about all the fighters that are fighting. You know, we got another fight tomorrow and yeah. for UFC, and it's like these guys are these guys are training with limited partners. The biggest thing is don't get sick, don't get COVID nineteen. And then they got to go in a cage and fight. So it's just like a lot of moving parts, a lot of different aspects to fight camp, a lot of different aspects to training partners and where you can train, who you can train with. So it's it's super interesting time right now. Well, and you mentioned it, you know, and you're actually, I think you've been the voice of, was it CES for MMA? You're actually a commentator on that as well? Uh CFFC, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, uh, regional regional out in the Northeast, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, obviously, not only do you fight, but you also, you know, you call fights as well. So, obviously, I'm sure you watch the fights in Jacksonville here. We had them this past Saturday and this Wednesday. And I'm from the camp that, man, if I watch a fight like Tony Ferguson and Justin Gagey, like, that makes you want to get back in the gym, right? Like, yeah, maybe it wasn't Tony Ferguson's yeah. best performance, but the guy goes out on his shield, right? It's Tony Ferguson, man. He's just, he's, he's an out there kind of character. But then I end up watching this past Wednesday, Anthony Smith take on, you know, Glover Teixeira, and it's like, I'm watching Anthony Smith spit out teeth like Tic Tacs, and I'm like, Oof, I don't feel that motivated right now. Did you kind of get the same feelings a little bit watching those two fights while they're both battles, but one was obviously a lot more brutal than the other one? Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I got beat up in my last fight, right? Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I've never talked about, like, what, what went wrong and, like, my week of, uh, you know, fight camp and uh, fight, fight week and, and stuff like that because it's just, like, you, you make the walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you you agree to do it, and I was I was looking down the barrel of, am I ever going to get another opportunity to fight in Chicago? Mm-hmm. No, fuck it, let's do it. Who cares? Um, and you know I was in this, this situation where like you know Duke's looking at me in the corner, and he's like, do you want to stop it? And I was like, no, I still think I got a chance to win here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, it is it is what it is. Yep. You know, uh, but but spitting out teeth, I really do think. Maybe Smith was signaling kind of like, hey, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, do me do me a favor here and get me yeah. out of here. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I think Chael Sonnen said it the best, where he was like, you don't, you you're there to protect your fighter, and you need to get him out of there when he no longer has the chance to win. And it wasn't a title fight, mm-hmm. five rounds, and he just lost two rounds, ten eight rounds, a clear ten eight rounds. So can he still win? Eh, maybe, but we're getting pretty close to that line where, he, no, he can't win. And he looked like he was in bad shape. Uh, you know, the corners are going to get criticized. Anthony Smith already said what he said. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's an interesting conversation to have, you know. And I, I think uh, Duke, Duke Rufus, you know, my head trainer, is one of the best cornermen in the business. You know, mm-hmm. he's... He's told, he's told Anthony Pettis, like, look, I can't send you back out there if you just broke your hand. 
you don't have one of your weapons, you're not going to be able to defend yourself, and you're not going to be able to fight the way you need to fight to yeah. win this fight. So, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a heavy responsibility, and I think a lot more fighters need to have that conversation with their corner prior to fights. Without a doubt, you know, I think sometimes it's the corner's job to save the fighter from themselves because they call Anthony yeah. Smith Lionheart for a reason, right? You know the guy wasn't going to tap, he wasn't going to quit, he was going to see it to the end. And sometimes it is the corner's job to save the fighter from themselves. So uh, a few more questions here. Obviously, we got to touch on the NHL a little bit. Not much to talk about right now with the landscape of COVID-19 and everything. But actually, the last time we had you on the show, there was a little bet that took place. You had the Bruins in six, and I had the St. Louis Blues in six. It goes seven games, but at the end of the day... I was right. You were wrong. It is what it is. Now, I get it. You're a Chicago guy. You hate St. Louis. And to be fair, I can't stand the Cardinals. So I'm with you on that one. One of the best compliments that I've ever received from a Cubs fan at Wrigley Field after the Brewers got blown out by him is a Cubs fan who was probably 10 beers deep comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you know what? It was a rough loss for the Brewers, but at the end of the day, we both hit the Cardinals. And I said, you know what? I respect you, sir, and I like the way you do business. So we, we went on our merry way, but I actually found a little respect for Cubs fans. But when we're talking about, you know, the St. Louis Blues winning that Stanley Cup, I never really got your reaction from it, right? Because I understand you, you don't like the city of St. Louis, and that's kind of ingrained in you being from Chicago. But as far as the way they won it, the way they had that roster built up and everything, I mean, do you think that it was good for hockey to have the St. Louis Blues win? Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a rough. You you really worded that in a rough way for me to answer it. Um, that was the goal. I think I think it's an amazing accomplishment. You know, them being dead last, players. You know, right after right after the new year, them being dead last, mm-hmm. players fighting in practice like fist fighting. Um, and yeah, it it, it shows you. Uh, the determination and the grit and a hell of a team they put together. I will, however, say that Barubi, the, uh, the, the coach, yeah. you know, he spent a lot of time here coaching in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves. So I'm assuming that that's probably where they, that team got their edge from here sure. in Windy City, Chicago. Yep. Uh, so, you know, in, in a roundabout way, Chicago kind of helped them win. You know, that's the Ruby who's getting that attitude from Chicago. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Wow, like the, the ultimate John, like the, the John Stockton pivot of all pivots, right there. But I'm not mad at it, man. I see you. Um, can you agree with me on this? In terms of, of, of the song Gloria, is it one of the best things to happen to hockey since stick taps and shaking hands after a playoff game? I mean, I root for a team where everybody <laughs> hates their goal song. Everybody <laughs> hates Chelsea Dagger. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's just, I can't like the song. You know what I mean? Like, I can't just be like, God, oh, this is, wow, what a, what a great song. It's just, <laughs> It's still, I don't, you know what? I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'd rather talk about golf. Oh, I can't wow. believe the, I can't believe the blue. I cannot believe the Blues won the Stanley Cup. It sucks. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say this though, okay? In terms of the Gloria song, I've never airboarded a keyboard song in my entire life until Gloria came out. Like I've had a situation where I was riding with my stepdad one time, and all of a sudden Bob Seger turned the page, came on, and like he turned up the radio up to 11 and said, "Austin, can you please be quiet?" I think Gloria is. It's, it's like moms to what like Bob Seger turn the page is to dads out there. So I'm not mad at the song, Gloria. Um, CM Punk, man, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Obviously an open
open door policy. Whatever, whatever you want to come back on, you're more than welcome. Can we expect anything else of you, man? I'm, honestly, you, you had your movie, uh, Girl on the Third Floor. Um, you know, it got rave reviews. Uh, you know, you've done comic books, MMA fighting, professional wrestling. Like, what's next on the docket right now for CM Punk? Well, I wish I could give you uh, concrete answers, but because of uh, coronavirus, yeah. I, I literally everything's on hold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I got a couple of roles and some films coming up that that uh, I was excited to get to shoot, but everything's on hold. You know, production stopped across the board on everything. So uh, you can catch me on, you know, like once a month, I'm on, you know, Fox Sports 1 doing WWE backstage, talking about a little pro wrestling. Um, and I'm crossing my fingers that uh, CFFC will come back hopefully in like August. We get to do some uh, some shows with the help of UFC uh, but as far as sports goes, I don't think we're going to have fans in seats until early next year. I yeah. think that's just the reality across the board. NFL, NHL, you know, MMA, everything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, what's important right now is just everybody tries to go out there, wear a mask if you, you're grocery shopping, stay healthy, and don't get anybody else sick. Well said, man. CM Punk, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. Um, listen, one of the most genuine dudes you're ever going to meet, you know, and tells it like it is. Um, the FCC might be on us now. <laughs> we'll see. I think we just burned through two dumb buttons, but hey, it is what it is, man. We, you know, when I'm driving the car, sometimes uh, you veer off the road a little bit, but we're all good, man. Um, but yeah, very informative, man. It's it's you got to think about it, Coos. You know, like being imagine being a Bulls fan, and imagine reliving the glory days over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, you look at the team right now, and I'm trying to think of some of the players that they have. Who, who do the Bulls even have right now? Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I'm so upset I can't remember their center. And that's Justin. That's Justin Coos driving this podcast. I mean, it shows you how bad though the predicament right now is in Chicago. But like CM Punk said, I mean, it's a circle, right? I mean, eventually they'll get it together. Look what my Milwaukee Bucks did. Please bring back basketball so they can hoist the banner finally and I go celebrate on the streets. When we come back in ESPN marketing. 6. Marketing. Oh, yeah, marketing. There Larry we go. Marketing. Oh, my I God. Like it, I knew man. I had it. All right. We come back in ESPN 690. I finished my talk to NFL rookies out there, and uh, we, we get some quick hitters. I'll say this. You know, the colors are not bad. You know, if you want to change the colors, make them a little brighter, you know, the, the uniform. It's not bad. I just don't like the stripe around the, the, the sleeve. It's not big enough. It almost looks like a lightning bolt, like the Chargers uniform. I don't like the stripe down the pants. I wish it was bigger. And the horn, man, it's horrible. I mean, it's terrible. I just feel like they really took away from the Rams uniform. And, and it looks like almost like a Charger logo. It looks like a banana. It looks like two bananas is what it looks like. Hey. Why does my why does Eric Dickerson sound like my grandpa trying to talk about the new Tesla Cybertruck? Like, yeah, man, I I mean, do I like it? It's whatever. Like, I think it'll be all right. But, like, to come out and say it makes them look soft and it's just soft, well, you win a Super Bowl on it, and all of a sudden it's the hottest ticket in town, right? Like, I think image gets tied so much to performance, right? Like, those Jaguars mustard color jerseys, were they aesthetically pleasing? Absolutely not. But if the Jaguars won 10 games in them, would people change their mind? Maybe. Now all of a sudden, maybe they're not the Dijon mustard yellow. Now all of a sudden, maybe they're champion gold. You know, like, 
Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, like, for Eric Dickerson to come out and say that it just looks soft, I don't know, man. It's it's new and updated. That's what the kids are into now. So either you adapt or I guess you just keep on ripping them and, and do what you do. But, like, I don't feel the need to go out and say it makes them look soft. Like, I have an opinion um, if it looks good or bad, but to look soft, I don't know, man. But once again, it sounds like... It sounds like an older generational guy who's not very impressed right now with how the younger generation is going about things. I think because when we left off here before the CM Punk interview, um, which you, you can find obviously a replay of that on ESPN 690. Um, do we have a .com actually on the stream or not? ESPN690.com. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, it. .com. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter. Um, we have a podcast format on iTunes. We on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're everywhere, man. Spotify, Twitch still? Yeah, we're still on Twitch. We're still we're on, live Twitch. on Twitch right now. Not playing video games, but it's all right, though, man. We're still doing what we do. No, they probably wish we were playing Fortnite on there. It, it can be arranged one day. Maybe that's going to be the future of Sports Talk Radio, playing video games while you talk about sports. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, be sure to check out that CM Punk interview and also the Evan Britton interview as well, man. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who really pulls back the curtain a little bit about life in the NFL, not only physically, but also the mental gymnastics that you're going through, man. Really two great interviews today, um, and I couldn't be happier with them. Austin Lane here, ESPN 690 Action Sports. Jacks joined by Coos, pushing all the right buttons. Co-host Brett Martineau is out for the day, but he'll be back next Monday. Um, so it's all good there. So, yeah, Coos, you, you know what? Let's go ahead and get into those last few um, of my you know pieces of advice, my little nuggets of wisdom, if you will, to some of those rookies out there, and then we'll see what else we got in the docket, all right? So do you, you still got that music? Inspiring. This is my TED Talk. Okay. I'm trying to think. Where we, if we leave off on flexibility and mobility, Coos, is that where we stopped? I do remember you talking about flexibility. Oh, kids, though. The kids was the last one. Oh, Shows yeah, all the kids. Yeah, well, you know what? Number seven, I'm going to repeat it again. If you're an NFL rookie out there, you always show love to the kids, okay? Because the reason why you became an NFL player in the first place is because there was a player out there when you were a child that you gravitated towards, whether it was in person or on TV. But somebody inspired you to put the helmet on, to put the shoulder pads on, and do your thing. So always keep that in mind, and I get it. It can be hot during training camp. It can be taxing. Your body feels like crap. I get that stuff, man. But always try to keep in mind the kids that are out there wanting an autograph, that are wanting a picture. Um, you know, Try to appease as much of those, of those kids that you can, man, because they're, they're the next generation, right? So don't break the chain. Uh, number eight, don't fall in love with a lifestyle that you can't afford, okay? Um, I think a lot of time you think of NFL players, you think of glitz and glamour and all that stuff, and that's fun, man. It's it's fun to, to spend money because you know why? You earned it, right? But you have to be smart about it. As Marshawn Lynch said, you got to take care of your chicken, and I'm here to tell you he's absolutely right. So whether it's investing 100% in your 401k, what you need to do, or whether it's trying to maybe put a taper on how many tickets you buy for your family members, make sure that you're taking care of your money and you don't fall in love with the lifestyle that you can't afford. Because remember, the average lifespan of an NFL player, about two and a half years, okay? This will probably be the most money that you make a year ever in your life. Once the NFL is gone, it's back to the everyday jobs, okay? It's back to maybe forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. And that's what it is. So make sure that you're ready for that, um, obviously. Number eight, we on Coos number nine? I lost track already. This music's a little distracting. Number oh, sorry, eight. yeah, I'll bring yeah. it down. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say you're on eight. We'll go with number eight. I think we're on nine, actually. Uh, yeah, well, we'll say number nine, because I got two more left. 
So number nine, um, this is a hard one, and it talks about balance again. But know the present, but plan for the future. Okay, I say that like this. Since you're in Pop Warner, it's always ingrained in you as a football player to play the next play. Play the next play. You're always looking forward to the next play. And that's a good attitude to have because whether that play was good, bad, or indifferent, you have to move on. But it's important to stay in the moment. You have to. You're not going to be successful if you don't. But in the back of your mind, once again, here's where that balance comes in. You have to plan for the future, okay? I know way too many guys right now. I'm not going to name them out by name, but I know way too many guys that when their football careers were done, they don't know what to do, okay? And they're lost. Because as an NFL player, unless you're a Peyton Manning, a Brett Favre, unless you're the 1%, someone's going to tell you one day that you're no longer going to play the game. And it's not going to come by your own terms. And all of a sudden, you're going to be flat out in your ass. You're not going to know what to do. So always have a plan in the back of your pocket for when football gets taken away from you. Because I'm the bearer of bad news. It probably will be. Know what you want to do after football. So know the present, but always plan for the future. And the last thing I'm going to give advice, the last little nugget that I, I present to the NFL rookie class this year is simple. And it's something that you've heard since you were a little kid, whether it's playing football, another sport, whether it's playing with your friends, playing video games, have fun, okay? I can't tell you how many guys I've had come on this show that have been in the NFL, you know, the Ryan Davises, the Cecil Shortses, um, you know, even the Evan Brittons that have come on this show and said, you know, I wish that I would have, you know, I wish I would have enjoyed it a little more. I wish I would have just took a breath, stopped and looked and said, you know what? This is pretty cool right now. I'm in the NFL. Because once again, you're going to blink your eyes and it's going to be gone. And then you're going to be be on the show talking to me and it's going to be, well, man, I wish I would have cherished it a little more. I wish I would have enjoyed it a little more. So you still have to work. You still have to put your time, your effort, and your heart and soul into it. But you have to have fun. You have to enjoy it as well because it's not going to last forever. And when it's gone, it's gone. There's no going back, man. So you might as well have fun and enjoy it. This has been my 10 or 11 things um, that an NFL rookie should do, uh, brought to you by my brain and my experiences in Austin Lane. Thank you very much, Justin Kuzar. Hey, yeah. <laughs> nice. You know what? I mean, as far as bed music's concerned, you've done worse. I'm not mad at that bed music, man. I appreciate the help. Well, you know, when I was getting it, it was there was a real long process of trying to find that specific bed music right there because I'll tell you, I was not working with much. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and get some quick hitters in before uh, we got about 10 minutes here left on the show, and then it's the weekend, man. I can't wait. But actually, and Brent kind of sent the story, too. I mean, Brent st- listen, it's Brent's days off. Okay, Brent has a day off right now, all right? He should be out in the golf course enjoying his time. But what is Brent Martineau doing? The guy's working because that's what he does. Blue collar, humble, um, team captain, if you will. He's, he's always working. And actually sent us a pretty interesting story here regarding the NFL and the Rooney rule um, that essentially is could change uh, draft pick incentives for minority hirings. Now, this is the first time I'm, I'm seeing this article here, but essentially what it's stating that if an NFL team chooses to sign, you know, a general manager, um, a head coach, or maybe even a position coach, as I'm reading down here the line, that team actually gets draft incentives um, as part of the Rooney Rule. Because before I start to go on my rant a little bit, what do you think about that? Because I want to make sure, like I'm, I'm not. Oh yeah, I don't care. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but <laughs> but but I want to make sure, like 
I'm within reason right now. I mean, I like the idea. Yeah. You know, but it. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll say that I like the idea. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the fence, and that's okay. You know, if Brent was here, he'd be chastising you right now. But it's just me, and I say, all right, it is what it is. Listen, what, this kind of goes back to the whole MLB issue right now, where I get what you're trying to say, but you're not going about it, in my opinion, the right way. So what you're going to do is you're going to award teams higher draft picks because you hire a black coach? How about you hire a black coach because he's the guy for the job? And I get it. And I and listen, this is going to get more minority coaches, GMs in the league. And, and I'm all for that, man. The, the, there can't be enough of them. So I'm all for that. But at the same time, I mean, football is the ultimate game of competition. And it's the ultimate game of trying to get one up on your opponent. So now we're going to have teams that are literally forced to hire minority coaches because – they're going to get better draft picks? Like, of course teams are going to do that. But they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Don't hire the coach because you get a better draft pick. Don't hire the, the black coach or the, or the minority coach because it's going to help your roster. Help him because he's, hire him because he's the right man for the job, man. It's crazy that we're so progressive in society, you know, and it's 2020, but we're still implementing these rules because there's not enough minority coaches in the NFL. It's baffling to me, and and I don't have an answer for it. So for me to sit here and be all gung-ho and say, well, this is great, you know, let's get more minorities in the NFL. Yeah, that's great, man, but you're going about it all the wrong way, I think. So I guess I don't, I don't know how to think about it. Um, I'm not the most turned on by the idea, I guess I would say. You think teams but, will definitely do that, though, for the shot at a, another pick? It's an advantage. Work? Oh, are you kidding me? It's an advantage. Any, I'm telling you, Coos, you know, and, and it's so cliche to say, but any, anything in the NFL, it's a game of inches. Whether it's on the field, whether it's roster, it's a game of inches. And if you give teams the opportunity to move up in the draft, but of course they're going to do this. Okay? Now, once again, the end result of my minority coaches getting hired in the NFL, that's a great goal. And I support that. But I guess I'm just more upset that it's gotten to this point. You know what I just thought of, by the way? Yeah. This just made me think of this. This could also undermine a minority coach getting a position because now the conversation will be, yeah. did the team hire them because they were the right fit or did they hire them because yeah. they wanted better drafts? I mean, spots? yeah, I'm sitting here right now, man, you know, and I'm wondering, like, in terms of the wheel of progress that that everyone we're all as a society are trying to we're trying to strive for, how does that improve the wheel of progress? Because to me, it does the exact opposite. It, it puts a break on the wheel of progress. Because Kuz, you hit on a great point. What are the minority coaches going to think now when they get hired? It's like, well, I just got hired because you know of, of a draft technicality. How is that right? You know, so, in the end, they're still getting hired, though. No, right? they, listen, at the end, they're still getting hired. Their skills are still getting displayed. They're still feeding their families, and, I, and I'm all for that, man. Okay, I guess I'm just a little more upset that we're in the year 2020, and this is a headline. I guess that I'm a little more upset because I think overall, you know, there is a progressive crowd out there. I mean, the NBA is the most progressive sports league in the entire you know world, but we're still having these conversations in the NFL, and, and it, it just it goes to show you just how ahead of the curve and how forward-thinking the NBA is compared to the NFL. 
Okay, so so maybe that's where I guess my disappointment, my anger comes from, from the standpoint of we're always supposed to, you know, and the NFL always tells you this, you're always supposed to represent the shield. Whether you're uh, a past, present, or future player, you represent the shield. But I can't get behind this, man. I can't get behind it's still 2020, and we're still talking about, well, we have to have incentives now because teams aren't giving black coaches or minority coaches a chance. I can't get behind that, okay? So, once again, you know, and, and I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody, I get the NFL's heart's in a right spot right now, and I get more minority coach, coaches are going to get jobs, but I think the NFL, the way they're going about it, it is the wrong way. So, take it for how you want, man. Um, listen, man, Kuz, we did it. We survived, you know? Uh, it wasn't easy, but we got here. Our first show, just me and you, um, you know, the, the parents essentially left. We had the run of the house. We didn't burn down the house. We did have to use the dump button a few times. We, we had to use the dump button thanks to CM Punk. But you know what, man? I'm not mad at it because I think I've been there before, too. So um, it's all good. It's all authentic. It's all genuine. And that's what you get on ESPN 690. So I'm not apologizing for that or to our sponsors whatsoever. So I, th- I guess in closing, man, we, we got to do it how we want to do it, right? And I think how we want to do it is the whole SNL bit again, right? I'm not sure I remember the SNL bit, but I have the song, I think. So the SNL bit, when me and Stuart Weber did our show, and we were, in, I was nervous. He was probably, I mean, he's a constant professional, so he was fine. I was nervous. Um, we did an SNL thing where every SNL episode, they close the show out with the same song, and they say thank you to everybody, thanks for watching, and then they go about their business. And since it's a Friday, since we have the weekend to look forward to, we have sports coming back a little bit, what better way to send you guys into the weekend with me and Coos not burning the house down with a little SNL send-off? So we got the music, Coos? Uh. Hey, everybody. I want to thank CM Punk. I want to thank Evan Britton. I want to thank Justin Coos for pushing all the right buttons. Shout out to The Last Dance. Last episode's coming out this Sunday. Shout out to the viewers at home that are watching. Shout out to listeners in their car that are listening. Thanks for all the support. It does not go unnoticed. Thanks to Brent Martineau for giving me the opportunity to lead the show today. We miss you, Brent, and we love you. Hopefully Kaylee got her permit. Who was anything you want to say? Oh, I was just going to say, the people on the stream that you were saying that commented, Natalie, uh, we got uh, Taz, Philip, Luke. Hungry Bear. <laughs> Hungry Bear. Hungry Bear. Shout out to you, man. You make this show happen like a bunch of you people out there. You you make the world go around, and we appreciate it, man. So for Action Sports, Jacks on ESPN 690, I'm Austin Lane. That's Justin Coos. It's been an absolute pleasure. Have a great weekend. Stay casual, and I'll see you guys, or I'll talk to you guys next Monday.